Hello, welcome to the Right Track Podcast. My name is Valencia Stokes and I am your host. The Right Track Podcast is about having interesting conversations with writers and other visionaries that you're bound to meet along the journey. Because this is the fantasy world that you enter when you pick up that pen and decide that you want to make your mark. You're the protagonist and this is your map to get you on the right track. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Right Track Podcast. I have a panel that I've been so excited to have on. Thank you so much for coming on. Could you introduce yourselves, Eric? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Hi, I'm uh, Eric Smith. I'm a literary agent with PS Literary, and uh, sometimes I dabble in in writing my own books. I'm Kelly Peterson, newly of Reese Literary Agency. Um, I don't dabble in writing my own books, though I used to. What made you stop? Were you like, I, I just feel better at doing other people's books? Oh my gosh, writing is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I My multitasking brain does not handle sitting in one space for very long, working on the same thing forever. Right. So agenting just felt better for my brain and felt better for me, whereas writing I can't, I don't have that type of determination. I don't know how you guys do it. (laughs) I understand. So I want to first ask, what made you fall in love with writing and agenting on Eric and agenting for you, Kelly? Oh boy. Oh, agenting. I I worked in publishing for a while. Uh, It was was a lot of fun. I I loved working on uh, a bunch of different books, but yeah, I wanted to work on, on something, I don't know, more specific to exactly what it was I wanted to be doing. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's what made me really love uh, agenting is that it's it's all based on you know what I want to be working on. I can be a little selfish, and it's fun. <laughs> um, also, I get to champion voices that might not otherwise uh, have someone to back them up. Um, so it's a it's a great position to be in if you want to uh, get the kind of books you love out in the marketplace and support voices that uh, might not have that support uh, behind them. So um, do you think, does it help you with your writing? Like, I know you're, as an agent, you have to give your clients like, uh, you know, pats on the back if they need it, you know, moral support. And you obviously start noticing specific things in the manuscripts that you have. So do you, do you take that over to what you write? Are you like, okay, make sure that you don't do this and this, which you see as an agent? Oh, I see. Um, not really. I feel like being a writer makes me a better agent mm-hmm. uh, on sort of the, the, I guess, the opposite flip mm-hmm. of that, um, because I can empathize a lot more with the process. And, you know, I know how frustrating being on submission goes. And, you know, yeah. I, I know how frustrating it can be when you're not getting enough marketing or publicity. So, like, I can understand it from that side of things. Um, it doesn't really help me as a writer. Um, like, I wish it did. I wish there was some, like, I don't know, like, like hack to being uh, in publishing and, and seeing your work uh, get published faster, but that is just not how it works at all. Uh, I know there's, you, you'll, you'll hear, you know, oh, it's, it's all about who you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's not. It's about your work being really good. <laughs> so oh, yeah. People probably, people probably think you have, like, the key. Like, oh, yeah, he probably has, yeah. like, 10 books in the works because he knows every little thing about publishing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I gosh. <laughs> I watch my books get rejected by editors who I have to pitch oh. um, my edited books to. So that's, you know, it's... It's a humbling experience. <laughs> that's a crazy. That's a crazy position to be in. Yeah. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Eric's job is a lot harder than mine because I don't have to pitch any books to them, but my own clients. So that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> what made you fall in love with agenting? Honestly, I just. I used to be a teacher, so I needed to get out of the teaching world, and I was an English teacher, and mm-hmm. you know. Coming from English, you love reading, you love writing. Um, And I fell in love with this type of atmosphere when I got into an internship, um, actually with Corvisiero many years ago. And what happened basically is that I loved the multitasking aspect of it, the marketing aspect of it, and more the public relations aspect of it as well. So I kind of ended up falling in love with being a people person, even though I'm still an introvert. (laughs) So, and kind of forming your own team. Because as an agent, you work with people that you want to work with. 
you don't work with anyone who, you know, you can kind of pick and choose who's around you and who's supporting you. So it's really nice in that aspect. I loved the teamwork version of it. So I've never actually heard of it or thought of it in that way. You are that that's crazy. You get to choose who you want to work with. I've never really thought about it that way. I I guess it really works out because you don't have to talk to any crazy people or whatever. <laughs> I'm sure it happens. Like right now, you're talking to a crazy person, but now I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really cool. You can like, there's so many different aspects to agenting ex- ex- instead of teaching. Because, I mean, teaching is fulfilling in its own way. But the fact that you you can have so many areas going into agenting, marketing, uh, you can read with people and, you know, give your advice. I love that. I actually, that's amazing. Yeah, agenting is so much. I mean, we go into editing as much as we can, though we are definitely not professional editors. um, Mm -hmm. But we do go into editing, we go into PR and marketing with our clients a lot of the time if, you know, we're heavier on that, which Eric and I both are. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we definitely go into just marketing ourselves, marketing them, um, going into more of a teamwork aspect, support, like there's so many aspects of agenting. And I absolutely adore it because it means my brain doesn't have to sit and focus on one thing all the time. (laughs) That sounds so nice. You mentioned you have to market yourself as well as your clients. So how do you, why, why do you think agents are so popular on social media. I actually, if you would have asked me like a a while ago, who was the most popular person, like the most popular people in the publishing industry, I'd be like the authors, of course, duh. But I realized that agents are just big and like, I, they're my favorite people to follow on Twitter because you guys just have so much information. And it, it seems like people really love agents. Were you expecting that? Yeah, why are we, why are agents so popular? Um, you know, I think it's a mix of, of the fact that, you know, a lot of agents, at least some of the ones I know and, and talk to, you know, dish out a lot of advice mm-hmm. on social media. And that's something that gets shared a lot and people want to pay attention to that. Um, and then when our, our authors get popular, you know, sometimes we get some of their followers, I suppose. And that's very mm-hmm. nice. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of the, the platform that ends up backing up a lot of agents are those, you know, aspiring writer types who just want advice and want to, you know, get as much info as they can when it's uh, when it's out there. It's, I don't know, it's free advice. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Did you expect that? Not really. Um, no, it, it was, yeah, no, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> when you hopped in on Twitter, was it, was that space really saturated or was it like non-existent at that point? No, I wouldn't say saturated. I mean, I was mm-hmm. on social media for a while. It's actually how I got hired into publishing. Uh, oh, wow. The publishing house that hired me for my first job found me on social media. Um, and I had like that platform in place as a, as an author already. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, it was just sort of a me pivoting from tweeting about my books to tweeting about, I don't know, a different kind of my books, my, my uh-huh. author's books. Wow, wow. What do you think, Kelly? Honestly, I did not expect it at all. Coming into agenting, I was like, this is great. I can just be kind of the negotiator. I can be, you know, the background person. And then mm-hmm. I came on Twitter um, and I realized that if I wanted to get more submissions and more authors coming to me, Um, because I'm a competitive person. And even though this is a small industry, we're all like, I want that book. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I realized if I wanted to be seen by writers, I had to make more noise. Um, And that's a lot of, I think, what we do on Twitter is we make noise and we give a lot of information. We make sales and those sales kind of get us more followers because people see that Mm -hmm. as potential writers. So Eric is definitely right on point but um yeah i did not expect it at all so it's kind of like if you have a song or something you wouldn't think that you would think that the pop star would be big but it's the audio engineer that's big or something i just think that's really cool (laughs) how you guys can be in the forefront (laughs) um also it and it kind of feels like a not a double-edged sword but i want you're building up your platform so big and 
obviously you're going to just keep racking up followers and whatnot. Do you ever, are you ever like, stop growing? Sometimes I have like 5 billion emails in my Gmail account. Does it ever get to that point? Or are you like, yeah, bring them on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, submissions can get a little exhausting. You know, they, they, do, they do come in. Um, I don't know if it happens to you, Kelly, but it certainly happens to me where it's, you know, like, kind of quiet for a little bit and then suddenly there'll be like 12 will hit my inbox at once or you know 20 you'll hit overnight um but you know i'm never you know i never want them to slow down or anything i i mm -hmm. like it when they come in because it's potential projects it's yeah potential new voices discover uh you know you, you sometimes see agents griping about it on social media but they really all love it right <laughs> Yeah, I think even though we're supposed to be kind of hiding, you know, behind the scenes, we all really secretly love the attention every once in a while. Um, but no, I mean, the more people that come into our submission boxes, the better of a chance we have of finding the right fit for us. Right. Um, so it's all good where I'm concerned, but most of the time, like we do close our boxes if we get overwhelmed and you'll see mm -hmm. us do that hopefully not often, but it does happen pretty often. Um, but we do, I mean, there are times where I look at my submission box and I just see, you know, like 900 some, and I'm like, Oh gosh, <laughs> like I have to go through this. Um, but it's good. You know, you go into it, you get over it and, um, it's exciting going through them. So even though it looks like a high number, it's the number that kind of is intimidating, I think, to all of us. But right. we enjoy, we thoroughly enjoy going through quarries, going through submissions and just reading and doing our job. I applaud all of you for that because I get like one email every month or so. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so much. Or I have so much, so many Krispy Kreme things in here. I can't imagine having to actually, you know, respond and like really be focused in on it because that number that's people so that's crazy that you can go through that i i love it um so for there's manuscript wish list and i just wanted to know how do you decide mostly i guess for eric how do you decide which ones that you want to write personally and which ones you feel like somebody else should write oh that's that's interesting um oh boy i don't know you know like i usually like like my, my last book that came out last year, I thought of that book three years ago from when I gave, when, from when it came out. So it was before I was even a literary agent. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, the last thing I was like manuscript wishlisting a bunch was that I really wanted a YA novel about like diverse teens falling in love at Comic-Con and over video games. Uh, and no one was sending it to me. So then I wrote it, but that's a very rare example. I don't think I'll do that again. <laughs> um, you know, it just has to be a story I'm really passionate about and want to write. And that just happened to be one where I was excited enough about the idea that I, I decided to try to do it. Yeah, you. I've seen you tweet out a few, a few of those. And I'm just like, wait, that's amazing. Why is he just giving this away? <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think in all honesty, if it just feels right for you, whether as an author or an agent or anything of the sort, um, you should write it. And I do that with some of my authors too. some of my clients, I, I'll have like an idea or I'll see something on manuscript wishlist from an editor or another agent or anything like that. And if I think it's the right fit, or if I think one of my clients personally would be awesome at it, I take the idea to them. You know, and I'm like, you know, what do you think about this? How do you feel about this? What would this be like for you? And if they feel like it's the right fit for them, then they write it. So it's all about what you want to write, I think. Although mm -hmm. I can't speak too much because I'm still, I'm not a writer anymore. But if it fits right for you and you see the story unfolding, I think you should write it. I yeah, I agree. You know, like you shouldn't, you know, if, you, if you're, you know, any writers who are listening right now, like if you see like a manuscript wish list, Thing from an agent or an editor, uh, don't say, oh, I'm gonna write this book uh, because they want me to write this book. Only write something if that's something that you really care about and actually wanna write. Um, it's great if it sparks an idea, but you know, don't, uh, yeah, don't, don't say to yourself, I have to write this because this agent wants this, you know? Yeah, yeah. I hope people don't do that. That, that would, you wanna feel passionate about, your, about what you're writing. I like that you do that, Kelly, that you take it to your, to, to your clients. I, I really like that. I never thought, mm. I never thought about somebody um, doing that. So yeah, 
All my clients, they kind of have different writing styles and different uh, specialties. And every once in a while, I'll be like, there's actually, I, I don't know why, but for one, I actually saw Thor and I was like, I want like Thor Ragnarok. I was like, I want a story on like the Valkyrie. <laughs> and one uh. of my authors took it and ran with it. And it's totally not about the Valkyrie anymore, but it started <laughs> an entire like manuscript idea for her. So, and she's running with it. So I'm like, great, go for it. <laughs> um, what do you want to see more of in the industry? Oh, more of in the industry. Um, well, I'd like to see people be a little more open to like quieter books again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just something I really love. I love, you know, YA novels or even just, you know, general literary fiction where the stakes are very small and they're very intimate. Um, you know, stakes that are world ending don't literally have to be the end of the world. You know, they can mm-hmm. just feel like they're the end of the world, you know, when yeah. a a character loses someone they care about or a friendship falls apart or a love interest isn't interested. Um, like those are the stakes that I really love seeing. Um, and I think they can make whole books because they can feel world ending to the people that are reading them and experiencing them. So I'd, I'd love to see that come back. Um, I, I do get a lot of, you know, passes on projects that I like because they're, you know, quote unquote, too quiet. Uh. Um, and I like quiet. Quiet's good and quiet's real. I fully agree with that. And I, even though I am a romance lover, I would love to see less romance in YA. Like, in all <laughs> honesty, I, it's what sells. And I, I know that and I understand that. But, like, man, do I want some friendship stories. Like, where's the heartbreak in losing your best friend, you know, and yeah. no longer being friends with them? Um, I just, I'm, I'm tired of romance I, stories. And I love rom-coms. But, yeah. Uh, in YA, I'm like, I'd, I'd like to start getting away from, you know, the brokenhearted because you lost your boyfriend. And I'm like, I I don't care that much for boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I so. completely understand because, like, I, I've picked up some books and I'm like, yeah, we're about to go on an adventure. It's going to be awesome. And then it's kind of sidetracked by a romance that I'm not really invested in. And it just feels like it takes away. So I totally see what you're saying on that. part. Yeah. Well, so many of my like heartbreaks in high school and in my middle school years were best friends, like no longer being my best friends. And yeah. that's so much of what causes younger people to learn too. But kind of like Eric says, it goes along with more of like a quieter book probably Mm -hmm. as well. It's a little bit more internal stakes and internal tension than anything. So there's a book coming out next year called, uh, when you were everything by Ashley Woodfolk. That's, uh, like a friendship breakup story. Uh, and I got to read a really early draft of it and it is just perfect. Like I would love more books like that, that focus on the, the friendship breaks up because those are, man, those are real and those are hard. Oh, I need to read that. <laughs> I, yeah, it's probably just like the quiet books not being in vogue, I guess. It's probably just another, uh, another consequence of like Marvel and that type of stuff being big. <laughs> and then it trickles down into the publishing industry. And now everybody just needs like, a huge book oh my goodness it's it's a it's awesome fights and i love awesome fights so i can't really knock it but like in in the romance and so yeah i can see why the quiet books aren't in but i hope that they come back i i actually can admit that i'll probably i kind of like i don't know but i'm gonna get more into it i i gotta be a part of the change so (laughs) (laughs) I'll definitely try harder to read quiet books. Um, So what do you want to see less of? Wait, we kind of answered that a little bit, but what would you like to see less of? Royalty. Royalty? (laughs) Royalty. (laughs) Anyone who is rich, famous, has money, is part of royalty in a fantasy. I'm so tired of princess stories and prince stories and rags to riches. I just want someone who's a normal person, you know, quieter internal stakes. You can save the world. You can do whatever you want, but don't do it for royalty. I I don't want to see that person be a rags to riches person. I just want that person to be okay being in rags, semi. I, I don't know. I just, I don't want royalty 
and like that heavy privilege to be an intense part of the main character anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm just tired of it. <laughs> Kelly, I invited you here to um, be awesome. I did not invite you here to attack me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have any royalty in my work in progress, but I have been wrestling with it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it'd be awesome if this person was royalty or something. But I'm also like, does it really need to be royalty, Valencia? I think you're just you're just jumping on a trend. And I'm like, whatever, Valencia, stop bullying me. So now you're you're totally right. Now you have brought me back to, to reality. <laughs> I can tell you, I think that the trend is actually gearing far away from royalty and has been for the last year so if you're writing to the trend at all i highly advise not making your main character royalty or right, princess right. okay <laughs> eric yeah, that's a great advice for any writers you know really like avoiding writing to trends because mm -hmm. usually when the trend is happening it's over because those yeah. books sold like two or three years ago mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very right very right um, what trends are flourishing that you're excited about? Oh man, uh, space opera. Uh, I feel like that's a trend that's having a nice boom right now due to uh, you know constant Star Wars movies and Star Trek coming back in such a big way. Um, I'm down with more space opera, especially when it's accessible uh, and easy to read. Uh, yeah. I do not like space opera that I don't know spends. 50 pages explain to me how some hyperdrive works. I don't care. It get me from one place to the next and show me the action and the characters. Uh, so yeah, accessible sci-fi and space opera. Uh, that's having a nice boom right now. And uh, I'm all about it. Yeah. Sci-fi is definitely going back. Although I'm not a space person in sci-fi, but sci-fi in general. And can we just take a second and acknowledge the fact that there's now a Hunger Games prequel. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, does this mean dystopian is coming back? <laughs> I don't know. Um, awesome. I, I know I've been seeing people just be like, oh, dystopian is done for. It's over. Don't write it anymore. That trend is dead. And then, like, once it was announced that Hunger Games was coming back, everybody was like, I, it's time to dust off the dystopian novels. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> no, and I've always been such a lover of dystopian, and I know it's so cliche, but I, I think I've literally had dystopian novels um, in my wish list. I, I think it's still in there, actually, because I love them. I, I secretly love them. It is, you know, my Achilles heel. It's fine. You just call them futuristic sci-fi. It's okay. <laughs> um, but I, I love them. the. I know. I don't know. Um, that and rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hypocritical to what I already said, but like in adult rom-coms, I love the fact that they're coming in. So Rom-coms, I've never really read the adult rom-coms. I, I, I should probably try and check those out because I'm still kind of stuck in the teenager phase a little bit. So I, probably, I am 22. I should probably stuff on my game a little bit. But <laughs> So that would be nice to see. And then I feel like on the dystopian novels, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I haven't researched this or anything, but I definitely feel like the Hunger Games and all those dystopian novels made YA flourish a little bit more in the industry. So you can't just put it aside because that's what got a lot of readers into reading. What do you think of that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm never going to crap on the Hunger yeah. Games or, or books like that. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. And I'm always going to love dystopia. Like, I don't care what the market says or editors say when they say, like, oh, you know, we don't really want, like, I'm still going to request it and want it because the world is always going to suck. And people don't want to see it reflected in a book in a way that gives them hope that maybe one day it won't suck. Uh, and that's kind of why I love those dystopian books. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, people shouldn't hate on The Hunger Games. That's, that's silly. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people feel very close to dystopian no a novel right now. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I... I science um, science fiction. I always used to like when I first think about it. I just think about like what you said, fifty pages on what a hyperdrive is, and it has never really spoke to me. But lately, I have been seeing a lot of titles come out that I'm like, oh, okay, I might have to pick this up because it's not just about 
you know, just something bland or whatever. They actually have a nice storyline and whatnot. So I'm pretty excited about the science fiction as well. Um, me too. Yeah, me too. You know, I love the the trend in like, I don't know, like positive science fiction, you know, and like, and not the, the sort of trend in positive science fiction where it's, you know, some like, like those like 70s and Science 80s novels where it's like, yeah, it's like people with like holding globes and, and very, uh, you know, with giant brains feeling all elite. I mean, like, you know, sci-fi novels set in the future where things aren't freaking terrible. Um, like, I'm really lucky enough to work with uh, an author named Mike Chen and like yeah. his adult sci-fi, it, it makes you feel good about the future, you know, like nothing is falling apart. Um, they're facing challenges like the rest of us might. They're they're very character driven and family driven. Um, they're just you know, happens to be lasers or time travel or, or things like that that help change the world a little bit. Yeah, I have. I bought Mike Chin's book. I still have to read it, but that's the first science fiction book I've picked up in years. So pretty excited about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I feel I feel like The Martian is like another great example of that. You know, like. It didn't matter that he was trapped on Mars. It was about like the the struggle and the the excitement of trying to rescue him and like the whole world uniting around this one guy. Um, you know, it didn't necessarily have to be Matt Damon. It could have been anybody. But uh, you know, in the case of the book, you know, like you you just really wanted everybody to come together. Um, yeah, like that's a great example of that working really well. I read somewhere that there was trouble really trying to get people to pick up um, his book because they there it's kind of it's science fiction and then um, something else kind of mixed in with it and um, I forget what the other genre was I'm sorry but people kind of were like eh, it's not it's not science fiction enough but. What? How, how do you think? How do you get around that? Do you think that's a problem with people kind of like mixing up genres a little bit because people might be like, "Oh, it's not romance enough. It's too much fantasy, or it's too much fantasy and it's not romance." Is there is there a real problem with that? I mean, you just have to find the right readers. Um, like that's something you know. Uh, another like I guess another client story with Mike. He he had trouble with that when we were pitching that book around. A lot of people said. Oh, it's too sci-fi, or oh, it's too family-driven, you know. Um, but blending genres works really well. I mean, look at the Time Traveler's Wife. Look mm -hmm. at Station Eleven. Look at the Night Circuits. Um, those books do it fantastic, and you know they might not be for everybody, but they're certainly for a lot of people. So it's yeah. a it's a matter of finding the right person to get behind it. Well, I think cross genres are also becoming a lot more popular, but it is a little bit harder to find their readership because they don't fit into a box that people mm -hmm. expect them to. And I think um, the difficulties that we're experiencing are literally just because of the fact that cross genres break new grounds wherever they go. That's why we have contemporary fantasy. That's why we have um, paranormal. It's why we have all the stories that we technically have today. But in all honesty, I mean, you just have to find your readership. You have to find the right editor and the right agent to kind of champion it. But they are trending a little bit. I don't, I don't, I can't speak for everyone, but I think in all honesty, there's a lot more people that are asking for cross genre. Okay. Okay. And that's definitely where social media can help because you tap into a ton of people who have various interests. So that's pretty exciting. Um, so I want to know who inspires you every day to get up and keep doing doing what you're doing. I'm waiting uh, for Eric to say his baby. I was, I was gonna say it, but I was like, "Am I being too precious? Am I, am I no? That I'm a cinnamon roll, but yeah, no, my kid. You know, I, I think about the kind of books that I'm I'm trying to bring out into the world for him, and when he grows up, and like, is he gonna see himself on the bookshelves in in a in a bigger way than he did uh, than the way I did when I was younger? Um, yeah, I think about him a lot. Um, you know, I think about my wife who, you know, sacrifices quite a lot so I can pursue this wild career. Um, so I, I just kind of think about the people that are depending on me. Um, and that's what inspires me. Um, and also my awesome colleagues. You know, I work with a lot of cool people who are doing really cool things. Uh, and every time I see them doing something awesome, you know, it makes me want to try a little bit harder. And as a teacher, I mean, a lot of 
my inspiration for getting into this business was because I saw teaching failing. Um, and I saw a lot of teachers not being able to actually help kids. And a lot of what inspires me is to put stories on the shelves that they can relate to, that they, you know, can pick up and read and have them relate to the main characters to have them learn something and to be okay with who they are. Um, and also my clients. I mean, I'm most of the time, you know, we don't get paid unless they get paid, but I'm doing this for them. I want their voices to be heard and they depend on me in order to get it out there. So thinking of them, thinking of the kids I used to teach, it's, it's pretty inspiring as far as that's concerned. That's so refreshing to hear. I remember just growing up and I, I would read everything, but as I got older, I was kind of like, wait, I don't see any black girls anywhere. Like it was just so hard to find. And so it's nice seeing that there are agents and people, other people in the industry that are really taking all of that into account and are trying to you know, change it for the better. So thank you for that. Of course. No problem. It is, it is lovely. It's fun. It's, I'm glad we have uh, the ability to do that sort of thing. Um, so this is kind of playing into that, but who do you admire? Like whether they're in the industry or if they're just family members? Oh, wow. Well, uh, I guess in the industry, uh, Beth Fallon in a really big way. I think she's amazing. She does awesome work. She's super altruistic and, and sacrifices a lot of her time to sort of better the, the publishing world. Um, I'd like to try to be more like her every day. Um, and then, let me see. And I guess, I don't know, in terms of my family, my wife, she's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the industry, and the first person that kind of, comes, kind of comes to me, even though I'm semi-friends with her, I don't think she knows I admire her as much as I do. Uh, Carrie Pistrito. So she's wonderful and she's probably the sweetest person I think I've ever had like the pleasure of talking to. Um, and she makes sales like a boss and I love her. Wow. <laughs> so if I could aspire to be anyone in this industry, I would totally aspire to be her. Um, you know, pull yourself up from your bootstraps type of personality. But I mean, in real life, I, my family, my mom, in all honesty, that's pretty much where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> they might cry when they hear this i'm not i don't know <laughs> um <laughs> are there any common misconceptions that you like to tackle about writing or, or agenting <sighs> the gatekeeper status ah I, um and i there's i feel like the common misconception about the gatekeeper status is we're called gatekeepers because of the fact that we're doing this to harm you or tell you you're not good enough or put you down or anything of the sort. Um, when most of the time that's not the case, um, we are real human beings and we feel really bad rejecting people a lot of the time. And sometimes we have to reject people because they're just not the right fit for us, even though they're phenomenal writers. Um, I, the gatekeeper, I guess, stigma that floats around agents, though in many ways I can see how it can be true, um, bothers me a lot. And I think it's because of the fact that many of us care so much about writers and we care about our clients and we care about the people who are pitching to us. And I don't want the gatekeeper stigma to get in the way of realizing that we do care about writers and we do want what's best for you, even if it's not us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. Because agents really wouldn't be a thing. Well, they would be a thing if you were the gatekeepers, because how could you switch from being a gatekeeper to being an author's ally? You're the ally the entire way through. So I can see why I can see why um, that would be a misconception. But yeah, it's hard because you can see where it's from. I think gatekeeping just has um, a negative stigma to it. Yeah. And I, I can understand why we would be called gatekeepers because there's a lot of people we reject. Yeah. But I, I just... Ah, I want to like fight the negative stigma that comes with that word. And mm -hmm. I, I, I just want to be an agent. I don't want to be a gatekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, another one is that like I don't know. You you always you always hear people saying like, oh, agents are always looking for a reason to say no, uh, and that's not true. Um, there there's an agent Dong Won Song who I adore. Uh, and I, I think he said it best when he was talking about it, and he was saying how uh, agents are always looking for a reason to say yes. Um, mm. We request things because we think they sound good, and we think they sound interesting, uh, and we look for reasons to say yes. We don't... I mean, I, I, you're going to see lots of advice flowing around the internet where it's like, oh, agents stop reading after the first sentence. They stop reading after a page. That's not true. We're looking for reasons to say yes. I yeah. read about 10% of every manuscript I request uh, even if that first page is terrible, like I want to see where the yes is uh, in every project that I take a look at. Um, so yeah, ignore that. We're not looking for reasons to say no. We want to say yes to things. Um, what else? And yeah, and I guess the other thing is that like you know, if your first page is not perfect, uh, they're just going to delete your your query and your like that's not going to happen. We're going to read. Uh, mm -hmm. We I, I've read plenty of manuscripts that have come in where the first chapter wasn't great, but then it got really good. Uh, it happens. We know that. <laughs> we wouldn't be working or having jobs if we didn't know that. Well, that's something I didn't know, was that um, you'll keep reading even after the first chapter. Like, I knew that it happened, but I thought that once you're kind of like, okay, it's not really for me in the first chapter, I didn't realize that you would keep going. You don't read the entire thing, though. You just, no, no. how far do you go? I mean, you can tell if it's not for you. Like, that's that's easy. Mm -hmm. um, voice just isn't the sort of voice that you like. But I mean, like, you know, I'm seeing a couple typos or I'm seeing something that could use a little bit of polish. Like, I'm not going to stop. Ah, that's, that's cool to hear. <laughs> yeah. We've had emails where people literally send us queries and they'll call you the complete wrong name and or, you know, things like that. We'll see typos in the query. It's not as big of a deal, I think, as authors think it is. We understand that you're human too. And a lot of times I get emails saying, I'm so sorry I spelled your name wrong, or I'm so sorry I copied that person's name into this email and forgot to change it. I'm like, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's really awesome to hear because I was freaking out when I was typing in your name. I was like, okay, I have to make sure it's Peterson and not like Peterson or something. <laughs> That's just yep. me though. <laughs> yeah, spelled um, correctly. <laughs> uh, let's jump into some Twitter questions. I asked some people on Twitter if they had any questions and I got a couple good ones. So there's Rashmi from, from Twitter, her at Impulsive Cookie. She wants to know how likely are you as an agent to pick up an author who does not stick to the winning book formula, but experiments with a new format? Like if they're like genre blending and, and fiddling around. Um, it's not difficult. Like I, I love stuff like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And if they want to write things, it sounds like they're also talking possibly about writing in a different way, like whether it's playing with time or playing with voice or um, chapter variations and things like that. Like I love people who kind of push the envelope and give me something different than what I've seen before. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But if you feel it's right for you, go for it. Okay. Just make sure you're aware of like what gets published in whatever it is that you're writing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, like there's a difference between like, oh, I'm going to experiment with voice a little bit, or I'm going to blend genres a little bit, versus, you know, hey, I'm going to write a young adult novel that's 300,000 words or something, you know? Uh, um, yeah. yeah, just be it's aware. It's all of in second person. <laughs> yeah. Be aware of what's on the and what gets published. It's all in comic sense or something. Just yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> um, Roark Clark, at Roark Clark on Twitter, um, she asks, what factors do you look for in a manuscript when deciding on whether you will represent it or not? Concrete examples of whatever factors are mentioned would be appreciated. Voice, stakes, mm. um, and character growth. Okay. So that, that character yeah. arc is my big one. Uh, voice is super important because if you... Um, can hold a reader with your voice. Like voice is not something we can teach you. It's not something an editor can teach you. So if you have your own voice, that's awesome. Uh, Lainey Taylor is a phenomenal uh, voice for me personally, yes. but everyone has different voice, you know, favorites and things like that. Um, character arcs, making sure your character grows logically and progressively and doesn't just kind of, you know, give up or not have a reason for doing things and stakes. A lot of people forget that they 
didn't put stakes into their manuscripts. So when I asked them, well, why are they doing this? Why are they going on this whole journey? Well, it's because, you know, she wants to. Well, why? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I can I can see how that would be um, one of the big ones. And Lainey Taylor, Taylor's voice is amazing. I felt like I was in that fantasy world when I was reading Strange the Dreamer. I love that book. Oh, so <laughs> lyrical. I love it. <laughs> yes. um, Brent Wilson which is at Brent Writer 95 on Twitter, he asks, what would make you instantly disinterested in a new author? Oh, uh, that's hard. You know, like, the book has to be good. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's first and foremost. Um, maybe if we get to the stage where we're going to hop on the phone and, and, and talk about a project and we're just not gelling personally, that, that will certainly affect things. Um, other things. I don't know if I... If I Google them and I go on their social media and they're racist, you know, that might, that'll probably screw things up pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it comes down to the story and the, the personality jelly. Yeah, a lot of mine is actually cockiness. Uh, if you're mm. really kind of, you know, if you're querying me and saying, this is going to be a billion dollar book idea for both of us and I'm going to make you a millionaire, uh, that's an immediate turnoff. I've had many of them. Um, and people who are just uh, overly sure of themselves because I, I don't know, like I, that kind of, uh, that personality just doesn't gel well with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I've met people like that and I'm like, okay, you need to chill out. <laughs> yeah. um, Kay Daniels has a few questions at Kay Daniels stories on Twitter. Um, what is the worst thing you can say or do while pitching an agent? seen someone cry pitching Eric before so but that wasn't even the worst thing possible I, mean, I felt bad <laughs> like Eric ran to get her water I was like that wasn't even horrible so if you cry I think we're both okay with it <laughs> we don't want you to cry oh gosh the worst thing hmm. I mean I feel like some of it ties into what I like just said like you know being racist and being a bad person will mm-hmm. is certainly a bad thing um I don't know, talking down about uh, other people's projects sometimes rubs me the wrong way in a pitch. Like, oh, you're going to love my book. It is so much better than this book, this book, this book. Um, What if I know that author? What if I really like that book? Um, I don't know. Like, starting off a conversation like that is is a pretty good way to, I don't know, make me tune out a little bit. Ah, yeah down to the industry in general or um, other like sci-fi books and things like that saying they're not good enough. Uh, we, we get a lot of those in person too. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, that's like me going like, ah, oh, Lainey Taylor, I can write more lyrical than her. Like, <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah. Don't compare yourself to, uh, anyone who's probably a a solid millionaire by now (laughs) that's not a good idea either (laughs) yeah i'm wait i i have to go back to the crying thing was she just nervous or was she excited i that because that kind of sounds like me like i might end up in here no i'm joking but like yeah that oh i feel bad um what is nervous people cry during in-person pitch sessions which you know is always hard because that shouldn't happen you know just yeah people trying to talk you could pitch it you could pitch via email for free whenever you want you know um yeah that that's that's always rough yeah not gonna lie at the beginning of this podcast i was like oh my i'm talking to two totally awesome people i'm gonna freak out i'm calling off it's fine (laughs) (laughs) very anxious (laughs) but you are awesome so if you end up pitching to kelly or eric just know that they are amazing and you should not be nervous right there (laughs) it's a (laughs) um what k daniels also asks what is the best way to find or research agents oh um there are lots of places um my, my big piece of advice for that is to just don't just stick to social media. Mm. Uh, I know that can be really tempting because you see a lot of agents who are on Twitter and, and all that and like, oh, look how many people follow them. This must be the person for me. Um, don't do that. Uh, look up agency websites. 
check out all the agents that work there. Look up books that you really love that have come out in the past year or two and see who the agents were on those books. Uh, so many agents just do not care about Twitter and social media presences uh, that I, I, you, you might just, you, you might only hit like 10% of the people that might like your book uh, if you're researching only on social media. So yeah, look wow. up websites, use resources like Manuscript Wishlist, but then also do the really old school way of, you know, looking at your favorite books. Looking into my favorite books, actually, the ones on my bookshelves was how I ended up finding a lot of like editors and things like that um, wow. to talk to oh, when yeah. I first started going into the industry because they always thank their agents and their editors in the acknowledgements part of the book. So if you have a favorite book or anything like that that's come out really recently, look into the acknowledgements section and see who represented them and who edited their books. Uh, Publishers Marketplace is awesome too, but you do have have to pay for it so may not be the best option <laughs> all right perfect and then this is the last question still by Kay daniels asked what has been your most horrible query ever you don't have to go into it if you don't want to or you can just tell us like little aspects I mean, I, I got this really long one where this guy was, you know, basically, um, I think the term is like negging me, where he was uh, saying very negative things about me and how I seem insecure on social media and all, all this oh. not great stuff that I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be funny or if he was being serious. Um, and that one was really bad. I kept that one. Uh, I look at it every now and again. Uh, don't talk down to the agent when you're pitching them or, you know, not just about themselves, but about the books they work on. That's, that's a bad look. Right. Uh, I mean, I've also, as I'm sure we all have, uh, received some, you know, when we say really long, we're talking like pages and pages of talking about how phenomenal they are, how horrible we are as agents and how horrible this industry is and how they're going to turn the entire industry around with their billion dollar book idea. And they send this to literally every single agent in the industry on the same email and get a mass rejection from every single <laughs> agent um, that they sent it to. So it, yeah, that was probably one of the worst ones, especially the ones that are like that. And you're, they're like sent from prison and things like that, too. So, oh um, gosh. yeah, I've entered a whole new realm of cringe. This is too, this is horrible. I don't, a mass email. Jeez, <laughs> I can't. But um, um, while you're still here, could you um, just, you know, take a final moment and promote whatever you have going on? I know you have a new book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess in the client space, uh, my author, Sam Slaughter, just had a book come out called uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark Rum? It is a 90s pop culture cocktail book full of 90s puns and jokes and references to TV, video games, and movies. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and he's about to go on a book tour, so uh, keep an eye out for him. Uh, and I have another book coming out next month called Eat to Feed um, by uh, Eliza Larson and Christy Kohler. It's an awesome cookbook uh, to basically help breastfeeding mothers with uh, milk production. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really proud of it. It comes out with DeCapo. Uh, so yeah, if you like cookbooks, keep an eye out for them. Uh, I know we talked about fiction a whole lot on this podcast, but that is a big space that I like to work in. Uh, I love cookbooks and nonfiction. Um, and yeah, and then in my author life, uh, I'm in a anthology called Color Outside the Lines by an author named Sangu Mandana that comes out in November with Soho Team. Uh, and then my next novel, uh, Don't Read the Comments, comes out in January 2020 with Inkyard Press. All right. It, your book looks great. And I love that you're just, you have a hand in like all the, all the genres. <laughs> so that's awesome. <laughs> you have to teach, you have to teach us your ways. Can you come on one day later and just teach us how you keep everything straight? <laughs> Sounds good. It's, it's, it's called not sleeping and uh, having a very supportive partner. <laughs> oh, great. I'm so happy that you have her and your baby and your Corgi. <laughs> Kelly, could you um, 
tell us anything that you want to promote for yourself or for your clients? Well, um, the only thing I right now have to promote that's not in secret, uh, Katie Golding's trilogy, um, adult romance trilogy, Reckless with a W, is starting to come out in 2020. We don't have an exact date yet, but keep an eye on her and definitely follow her on Twitter if you can find her. Um, other than that, I mean, just pitch me all the books, man. Mm -hmm. I am heavily looking for some adult romance clients because, well, an adult sci-fi and adult fantasy because I have so many YA clients right now that I need some adults to kind of balance this out. So if you write adult in fantasy, sci-fi or romance, I am all for it. So send me those manuscripts, man. Great. Thank you. <laughs> and this, this is, I don't know if it's even going into the podcast or if it's just for me personally. What can you explain the fellowship? Because that just sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, when I first started uh, agenting and accepting my own clients, my first client was Bruce, who is a young adult fantasy writer, um, as he would be with the name of Bruce. Who has the name of Bruce? He's awesome, though. Bruce Battle. Look him up, oh man. My He's gosh. wonderful. Yeah, you have to be a fantasy writer with that yes. name, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then M. Cole joined me, and she's been a fantasy writer for forever. Um, and a couple other fantasy writers just kind of joined me. I overloaded with young adult fantasy, but I think it's because I just love it so much that I want so much of it. Um, and the fellowship, I honestly kind of joined them as a group because I wanted them to actually have contact with each other. Mm -hmm. Unlike a lot of other agents who keep them separate and it's for good reason, you know, no one turns on each other. There's no drama, things like that. But I had a vision that I wanted to develop my client base in a different way. I wanted them to be family. I wanted them to be CPs and beta readers for each other. And I wanted them to be supportive of each other. And the fellowship was born. I We were passing around names and I was just like, you know what, we're going to be the fellowship. And I put like a Lord of the Rings, like <laughs> fellowship journey across our Facebook group, which is where we originally started. And everyone was down for it. And I became Gandalf somehow. <laughs> and it's developed since then. And even if they're not fantasy writers, everyone that comes into the fellowship is fully like, yes, this is awesome. So I love it. It's just oh, a different wow. way of going about agenting, I guess. Oh, wow. I love that. So like you're all capable of being stalked on Twitter, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, most definitely. Um, we have six members right now and you can find all of them and their websites and their Twitter handles and things like that from my website actually is probably the easiest way to go about this. So litagentkelly.com. If you go to the about me portion, you will find all of their websites at the bottom so you can stalk them. <laughs> all right. Okay. I will be doing that. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for joining me once again. Oh, no, my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> all right. I'll let you go. Thank you. <laughs> See you later. Thanks. You have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.